The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You are now in the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. I am Josh Dunn, joined as always by Anshu Kana. Anshu, we've got week eight in the NFL season on deck. You know, the COVID situation has calmed down a little bit. My fingers are crossed. I just knocked on wood like a thousand times. But how are you <laughs> feeling this evening, my friend? I'm good. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen it hit college football. I'm, I'm interested. Do you think yeah, that it's Badgers. actually your boy? Yeah, I know just ruining the big 10, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm interested to get your perspective because I, I don't think there are fewer positive tests. I just think the NFL has sort of midstream decided like, all right, one or two tests, we're not going to delay a game for anymore. If there's like an outbreak, then yeah, we will, you know, oh, like yeah. I think that that's, they've definitely changed course for sure. Yeah. And I feel like the, they're making less of a big deal about the tests when there are a few positives too. Like you might see it, like if you're, if you're looking up, researching it but but it doesn't seem right. like it's a it's like a, a a headline anymore like it was you know when the titans had the break the outbreak or you know even even a couple there were a couple other teams after that where we had the the chiefs and the patriots and all of these other situations maybe it's not because maybe it's because a lot of these guys that have been testing positive aren't marquee you know stars but i i agree it's there still are tests pos, positive tests happening but it does seem like you know, a little bit less of a deal has been made about it and less games have been moved for sure as well. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think that some of it was good with the games moving around. Like I think it was good for the eyes on the product, you know, but it obviously put them in a bad spot, like optically. And so I, yeah, I mean, I think we're definitely on the same page. I, I just, it'd be interesting to know like how much it truly has changed and how much is like, just like everything else, politics and everything else. It's such a media driven thing, you know, like if, you know, Mike Tomlin texts something to Adam Schefter. It's it's different than like if Schefter never promotes it, and then you know you just kind of hear about it in like a team release where some backup offensive lineman has it. You know, it's just I think there's a very different way that teams are going about it now, probably with guidance from the NFL. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 an interesting situation to monitor because we we haven't seen a, a true outbreak. I mean, we talked we we had a little one with the Raiders, but it seemed like they got that under control relatively quickly, or they were false positives, maybe, or I can't remember how mm-hmm. that played out. But uh, aside from the Titans and and uh, obviously the Patriots situation, it hasn't been too too bad. So hopefully hopefully we can get through this season without too many hiccups. But yeah, to your point, I mean, across college football, we're seeing outbreaks across entire teams where where half the team or you know 10 plus guys are getting it at once and you know that's going to be a challenge for especially where you have less control you know and and i feel like to a certain extent there's less uh you know protocols aside from the testing there's less protocols in place to be able to keep those those kids who think they're invisible invincible i should say uh invisible Uh, (laughs) can't see (laughs) them literally can't see them uh the the virus is invisible yeah (laughs) yeah yeah no it's true 
it, that was always going to be a problem to me in part because like, you know, first of all, they just can't possibly have the same financial backing as the NFL. Secondly, um, you know, you've got just so many more players. I mean, there's just so many more players. And then third, they're all young and they want to, you know, they're in college. So right. I, I just like that was always going to be an almost impossible hurdle to jump over without just basically the wink nodding of like, listen, it is what it is. You know, we're going to, we're just, we're going to go do it. We're going to play the season. Hopefully no one dies and uh, we're just going to get through it. And I mean, even the Nick Saban thing was kind of a joke. I thought like if you contact trace Nick Saban, there's no way that that game should have been played is my guess. Agreed. Yeah. There's definitely a double standard there. Well, we'll Mm -hmm. get, we'll, we'll get, get to that story uh, as we go through the games too. And, and, you know, the ones that, that, uh, you know, potentially could be impacted, but it doesn't seem like there's anything significant that's going to hold us back. So, uh, we'll get to every single game on the on the docket for week eight. Uh, there's some good ones here on the slate, but uh, those lines will all come from BovadaSportsBook.com. But what I wanted to touch, as we've done these last few weeks, on the on the, the few big storylines from week seven. There were some big games in week seven and uh, a few big storylines as well. I'll start and get it out of the way quickly on you with the Battle of Ohio. And the only reason I wanted to touch on this is because of the performances by Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow. Burrow ends up winning uh, the FedEx Air player of the week for uh, his over 400 yards, three rushing t- or three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. And then Baker Mayfield, who started the game out 0 for 5, looked terrible, uh, and then ends up throwing like 20 straight completions in a row. I think he had one incompletion after his 0 for 5 start, and it was a spike. So, um, you know, I, I don't make much of the Baker Mayfield performance because I do believe the Bengals' defense, secondary, et cetera, is that bad. Um, but... I, I I kind of feel the same way about the Joe Burrow performance because the Browns, aside from Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett, their defense is pretty much Swiss cheese as well. So it, it, can you take anything away from this game, or is this one of those that you kind of throw out the window? Burrow looked great on that last drive. Baker Mayfield looked great on that last drive. If nothing else, both quarterbacks prove they can win in the clutch. Yeah, I, I think that you pretty much nailed it. I mean, the, I think that the Bengals' defense has occasionally played somewhat well, like not not – in general, obviously, but like, I think that both court and and same thing with the Browns, like the Browns have held certain teams to well under, you know, 28, 27 points. And, you know, but at the same time, they've obviously given up, you know, 38 to the Steelers and 40 and 38 to the Cowboys, you know, but I think what that tells me is both these quarterbacks are above that like tier. And it, I think it's more noticeable. I mean, it's really important for both because, you know, Mayfield's ready to be run out of town if he doesn't have a good game, especially after Beckham gets hurt early in that game. And to rebound the way he did, I think was incredibly important for him, just like his future in the league, you know, like I know it's a week to week league, but to do that, I think he needed it. And then Burrow doesn't need it by any means yet, but like to do what he did, I think is just, is uh, like, there aren't enough adjectives I can throw out there for him because he's just been, he's just been that dude already into like, I mean, it's, it's almost coming without any sort of fanfare at all because the team's record is so poor, but like he's him and that off, like he is completely single-handedly reinvigorated what they feel like to me. And, um, you know, I, I just, I know that it's, it sucks to lose. It sucks to lose to this particular team, but, um, you know, there's, there's much, much brighter days coming with him at the helm for sure. Yeah, and the storylines we didn't mention is the they they lost three offensive linemen, including their left tackle and right tackle, in this game, and they really didn't miss a beat offensively. I mean, they 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 really 
didn't allow much pressure on the quarterback for the majority of this game. A lot of that has to do with Burrow's pocket presence. He stepped up a few times, had a few runs uh, that looked really good. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the line going down is not going to bode well for the future. They did in the other storyline was Carlos Dunlap's antics at the end of the game. He ends up uh, posting some things on social media, They requesting a trade. They tell him not to come to practice uh, the other day, and then he gets traded today to the Seattle Seahawks for an offensive lineman and a seventh-round pick. So Carlos Dunlap gone. I mean, the effort in that game from Dunlap, really in the majority of the defensive line, but Dunlap in particular, was absolutely abysmal. I mean, he was not even like attempting to put pressure on the quarterback. So it's one of those situations. You, you you see this a lot of times in Cincinnati with veterans, it seems like. I mean, we, we think back to Carson Palmer and Corey Dillon and, you know, even Chad Ochocinco to an extent toward the end of his career in Cincinnati. It just seems like they, they, they eventually sour on, on, on people that have played for them for so long and had success. And I just mm-hmm. – I, I, it's hard to put – to pinpoint whether or not it is the organization or – if it's the players in in some circumstances. And I feel like this particular circumstance, just from listening to some of the other players like Tyler Boyd and, uh, you know, some of the other guys who spoke up, Joe Mixon was another one. It does seem like Carlos Dunlap was the one who was out of line in this situation. But obviously he feels like he put his time in and, and, you know, uh, he he wanted to get more playing time, and they relegated him to a third down role. And it, it's just kind of a it's one of those situations where you're you're just kind of glad if you're on either side of the argument, and just happy to see both sides go their own ways. Um, mm-hmm. Because the last thing you need is is more of that type of locker room cancer, and you know that spreading. And then you know then we're we're talking about like a mutiny against the coaching staff, which obviously <laughs> I would you know this coaching staff has not been my favorite, but Zach Taylor's done a pretty good job of calling plays these last few weeks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there. I don't know. There's a lot that goes into, you know, rebuilding a, an offense for a specific player. Like this is the Joe Burrow offense now. And, you know, he's been totally hamstrung by that offensive line. I think that, yeah, I, I thought that he he's done some things to overcome the hand that he's been dealt. But at the same time, you know, a lot of that falls on his assistance on having a better offensive line coach, which we've talked about before. And, um, you know, like, I mean, it, I think another reason why I think this is just a different culture and a different team and a different energy to the Bengals is because of things like this, um, you know, with Dunlap or like, you know, in the, in the past, maybe it would have been tolerated or like it would have created sort of momentum or inertia against the coaching staff, against an organization to have players speaking up and out against him. I think it's, I think it's a positive sign moving forward. Yeah, it definitely shows unity in the locker room, which a team like this needs if they're going to rattle off some wins. Uh, the other storyline was um, obviously Odell Beckham Jr. He tears his ACL. He's out for the season. You mentioned on uh, you touched on that briefly. What about uh, the, the, Fal- the Falcons? I don't want to dwell on this point, but we have to at least mention it. Todd Gurley, you know, his, his momentum takes him into the end zone. If he doesn't score there, they they win this game. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan, it came out today that he he told him not to score, and, and Gurley still ends up scoring. Says he's upset with himself for doing it. But, I mean, obviously Detroit goes down the field and scores the touchdown and then it gets the penalties, gets the extra point, the long extra point. It's just, we've talked about the Falcons on this show probably more than we need to, but it's because they just keep finding new ways to lose football games. And it's it's almost like entertaining to wonder how they're going to do it week in and week out. I know. It's it's eerie how similar it is to last year, though, too, you know, because like their their fantasy implications are always high every single week doesn't even matter who's starting a receiver and i think that that's a big part of it because like you see you know that side of it you list off the skill guys and the quarterback and you're like huh this team should be you know pretty good and then 
you know, you just realize football is not played on a fantasy scoreboard. It's, it's a completely different game and they find a way to snatch losses from the jaws of victory all the time. And, um, and, you know, some of that falls on the quarterback, but a lot of it falls on the infrastructure of the team. And that's specifically that defense. And it's just, it amazes me. I mean, if you're, I guess if you're a Falcons fan, it's a good thing because like you want to lose as many games as you can without fully embarrassing yourself. But man, it, it's, I don't know. It's, it's an ugly thing. It'd be incredibly frustrating to me to see them putting up all those points and yards and then just come out with L after L after L. So much talent. It's just, it's, it's sad, really. All right. What about the Titans? The comeback falls short against the Steelers. It looked like they had a chance and then Goskowski misses the uh, field goal to, to tie things up to go to overtime. Uh, any, any comments on that game? Yeah, I mean, like this this Titans team is uh, really interesting. I think that you look at this down the line for the playoffs and a possible first round matchup would be very interesting. But you know, I'm I'm very interested in this this Steelers team and this game coming up this week in particular because so far they've what they're the only undefeated team left, right? But they don't. I don't know when you think of like a champion this year, even if you, whether you like them or not, which very few people that I talk to like them, um, you know, it's just, it's hard to picture them in that picture, you know, but they, but they have to be mentioned because they're the lone team standing and they've, they've earned every single win so far. So it's, it's, they're an interesting group, but I'm, I'm a little, I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to sustain it. And I think that this game shows, especially late in that game, as you pointed out, like there is some, you know, cracks in that armor. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the game, and we'll get to it a little bit later. This is a game that we could see, and, and they're on the other side uh, as far as uh, the Bovada line this week. So we'll, we'll touch on that one here in a bit. A bit. But uh, the other storyline that I wanted to touch on, and there's just a couple more from Week 7, uh, the Cowboys. Uh, Dalton gets killed by John Bostic in this game. The Cowboys get routed by the Washington football team. I, I mean, it's, it doesn't seem like they're going to try to bring in a quarterback. Even if Dalton misses this next game here in Week 8, it seems like he should be back the following week because of the concussion. I just – you're still in the hunt for the for the division because of how bad this division is, but I don't think that this Cowboys team with that defense and how bad it is has an absolute prayer. Kyle Allen looked great in this game, and it's Kyle Allen. I mean, the Cowboys are just – they're falling faster and faster. I mean, we talked about the Falcons and how, like, they're kind of the laughing stock. And obviously I always make fun of how bad the Bengals' defense is. But this Cowboys' defense is record-setting bad. Yeah, absolutely. It's so bad. I expect them to make this Eagles team look way better than it is on Sunday night. And, um, yeah, I mean, then after that they've got the Steelers. They play another disappointing team in the Vikings. I don't expect them to have any chance – And then they come back and play this Washington football again. And the Ravens, they do go to the Bengals, the Niners. I mean, this Cowboys team is dead in my mind. And I I don't even see them winning that horrible division. And with or without Dalton, like, they're just screwed. And I think they basically conceded it already by trading Everson Griffin. Sounds like Michael Gallup might be on, you know, I don't know if he's on the move, but he's certainly on the block right now. And I, I can't blame the Cowboys. Like you might as well get what you can get from this season as far as trade assets. Cause the reality is even if you make the dance, you're not going very far with this group. Well, that that's the other point on you. You nailed it. Is that this fit, this team coming into this season was an embarrassment of fantasy riches. I mean, you wanted every mm-hmm. piece of you, of this team that you can have. You talk about Zeke, you talk about Amari Cooper, you have CD lamb coming in who they were high on and looked great early in the season. Gallup has been a guy who's been a consistent producer since he's been on this team. And then, you know, Dak Prescott, who's obviously a top five guy. So it's, it's just, 
what they were and what they are now, like I wouldn't want anything to do with Zeke, at least as a top 10 running back. I wouldn't because when your offense is is that bad and that pedestrian and you're going to rely on somebody like that so much, the other team is just going to game plan for that, that one guy. And we've seen that these last few weeks. Zeke has been virtually irrelevant. I know it's a, yeah, he's been, and you know, he's trying, but like it, at the same time, when and he's, he's fumbling going, and dropping passes. Fumbles. Yeah. The two weeks ago was really bad. He's still like maybe the best pass blocking running back in the league. He's very good at that. And, and I mean, he's got plenty of girth to throw around these days to do that. But I just, yeah, like he's, he's, he looks totally neutered. You know, he looks like, like Le'Veon Bell kind of did with the jets in terms of like, you know, you just see it, you know, when you see it, like he's, there's just no juice there. And, um, and I, it's hard to blame him because this team is a really sad two and five. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think that it's, you know, it's, it's over and they've got a lot more money to throw at Zeke over the next few years that they can't get out from under. And it's just like, luckily they drafted CD lamb. And I think you just basically pack it in for this year. If I'm them, and come back next year with Dak and just see what you've got with McCarthy and Dak and just give it one more try before you, I mean, maybe fire McCarthy after a year and a half if things go really poorly next year too. Yeah. And apologies for the, uh, we're recording in a zoo this episode. So you hear <laughs> all the animals in the background <laughs> because chance. of COVID, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we have to, we have to do this from home and not the studio. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, anyway, the Bucks and Chiefs. I mean, these these two teams. If it's not the Steelers who are still undefeated, it's it's got to be the Bucks and Chiefs on the NFC and, and AFC side. Both of them come through the route here. And the reason I bring these two teams up, besides their wins uh, in Week Seven, is we have Antonio Brown coming back in Week Nine. It's uh, Bruce Arians came out today and said he's going to be full go and ready to go. He looks great uh, in practice. And then uh, Le'Veon Bell for the Chiefs. So you know the rich get richer here. Do you think these two guys, obviously both former Steelers? Do you think these two guys or either of these two guys can bring and add a spark to an already potent offense on both of these two teams? I mean, we already saw it with Le'Veon Bell. I, I'll be honest. When we talked about Bell a couple weeks ago, I thought it was like 50-50 that he's basically like LaShawn McCoy, which was almost nothing to the Chiefs. And the other 50% was, you know, he takes over and he's dominant. And what he looked like in Denver was way beyond what I expected. And I, I think that, you know, you were, you nailed this. Like I, he looks just as good, if not better than Edwards Hilaire. And it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what kind of spark he's able to bring like long-term, how they end up using the two of them. I, again, we brought up the name Kareem Hunt a few weeks ago. I think that that duo could end up being, just as good, if not better, than Chubb and Hunt were early or uh, late last season. Um, and, you know, I, man, and then you look at the other side. I mean, we only got a one-game sample of Antonio Brown in the NFL last year, and he scored a touchdown with Tom Brady. So, I'm, I mean, it, and, you know, the opportunity is there now for him. Like, with Godwin Hurt, it looks like he's definitely missing next game. I don't know. He didn't get put on IR, did he? No, they said he's out for at least one, possibly two, with a broken finger. I feel like he almost has to sit too, just to like see what Brown can do out of the slot. But then, you know, Mike Evans has been a ghost. And uh, I mean, well, yeah, like, they, they, it, Arian said after that game on Sunday that uh, he's playing at uh, Evans is playing at 80% and Godwin's been playing at 85% pretty much the entire mm-hmm. year. Uh, and Scotty Miller's been hurt too at times. So they've yeah. been banged up quite a bit. I mean, Gronk's been had a, had an injured shoulder and he's been playing through it the whole year. And, you know, when this, yeah, 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 yeah. So you're down to, you know, 
not at full strength at pretty much every position. So to bring in a guy who's got fresh legs, uh, that has that level of talent, even if you get 80% of what he was at his best, it, it's still going to be something that this team can, 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 uh, you know, value from in a big way. Mm-hmm. For sure. Though. I mean, I, who do you think is, I, not from a fantasy perspective, but who do you think, and you randomly happen to own both of them in our league, which is great. But uh, yeah, I mean, who do you, who do you think, who do you expect more of, I guess, from like a fantasy perspective from the rest of the season? Like who will you start more often independent of the fact that like, you know, maybe needs on your specific roster, like for a, for an average roster, who do you think gets a, has more like value for their position? I, I think bell, I, I just because the, if, if you're going to see it this weekend, I think, and we'll talk about it, but he's playing his former mm-hmm. team. So I think they're going to get him the ball more. And he, he only had six carries last week, but you mentioned it. I mean, he looked really good on those six carries for 39 yards and you know he's just learning the playbook and I think they're gonna get him more and more involved and if he looks the way he did on those six carries this past weekend he's only gonna get more and more involved in the offense and obviously with a guy like Edwards Elaire he's a small guy he's not really a between the tackles guy he's been productive but if you can kind of give both of those guys 15 touches a game then you're gonna be you're gonna be able to have a lot of production out of both of them, and I can see this being a 50-50 split backfield. And at times, I could see both of these guys being on the field at the same time. So I think with with Brown, because there are so many other playmakers in Tampa Bay, you're gonna have that inconsistency. And we see this now with you know Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. We see it with even with the Bengals with Tyler Boyd and AJ Green and T Higgins. You have a lot of teams now that have several weapons on the team and, and it's not always going to be the same guy who's productive. You still want those guys on your roster because of their upside. I just think Mm -hmm. that what Bell's going to bring from a consistency standpoint, if he gets the touches and that's the key is this weekend, if we see an uptick in those touches, which I think is inevitable, he's going to get more more and more touches. So, uh, you know, I, I think that because of that, I think that he'll have his hands on the ball more. And I think he'll have behind that just such a great offensive line and, you know, a creative creative play calling, uh, I think he'll be the more productive, consistent fantasy player. But that, that, in my opinion, I think Brown, because of the relationship with Tom Brady, will be productive as well. I just don't know that gonna, there's going to be that level of consistency there. Well, there's also just the the concern with Brown that you don't have with Val as far as, like, will he do something incredibly dumb? And 50-50. Kick, like, probably like, it's 60-40. literally it's probably 60-40, dumb, not dumb, right? Like, I mean... It, it's kind of like Josh Gordon where you're just not quite that bad, but maybe, I don't know. Like, I mean, the kind of the antics that came along with Antonio Brown last year that have somehow just disappeared from the, you know, the picture uh, is, I mean, if he does keep it out of the way and he's like figured some stuff out, which I highly doubt, then, you know, more power to him. And I, I, then I think that he becomes the more interesting asset of the two from a fantasy perspective, but um, you know, especially because there's just there's more opportunity in front of him in my mind, just without Edward Zulair in front of him. But like we've already seen what Bell can do in a very in a very brief look, and it's it's pretty impressive. And um, and you know, I, I think that yeah, like the smart money is probably on Bell, and the safe money's a little bit on Bell. But I, I mean, Brown could be. You know, the the phrase league winner gets thrown around a lot, but that's the dude that could be that guy. I think. I mean, they both could, but he in particular, um, you know, would scare me. And, and, you know, league winner, both from fantasy and from, like, an NFL Super Bowl perspective. Like, yeah. having those three guys, to your point, like the Bengals or whoever else with with a bunch of different pieces, 
is it's terrifying for any team. There is no team that has three corners that can match up with even a hobbled Evans, Godwin, and and Antonio Brown. That's true. The only time, the only way he's a league winner in our league though is if somehow I just trade him to you for nothing. Um, <laughs> The night games games were fun uh, week seven, too, so we'll close it out with that. The Cardinals with a nice big comeback against the Seahawks. I mean, that game was was a very entertaining game. Kyler Murray looked good. DeAndre Hopkins, I I love watching that guy play. The one bad news, uh, uh, piece of bad news that did come from this, actually two, if you look on both sides, the running backs, Chris Carson's going to be out probably a couple weeks, uh, and then it it looks like Drake could be out three or four. So, uh, you know, the Cardinals are on a bye this week. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll get Drake back eventually, but honestly, like hot take, I, I don't think that this is really a negative. I have been wanting to see more of Chris Edmonds this entire season. And the chase. fact that we're going to be able to chase, sorry, sorry Chris mm. Edmonds, chase Edmonds. <laughs> I've been wanting to Great see more. Captain America. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Chris <laughs> Evans. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I believe chase, chase, chase Edmonds, uh, with an expanded role is going to do some big things here. And I think Drake, I mean, I expected in this high powered offense, I expected Kenyon Drake to do what, what we saw from him at times last year. You remember that game against the Browns where he mm-hmm. has over 200 yards and just blows up fantasy scoreboards. Uh, and he mm-hmm. did that a couple times last year. I, I expected awesome to see the Seattle. Too. Yeah. 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 I, I expected to see more of that this year and we just didn't really see it. The one time we did, it was because he had a 69 yard touchdown and garbage time in the game. Uh, they, yep. they gave him like 170 yards, but outside of that one run that you know the defense wasn't trying on, he really has been held in check. So I, I'm excited because Edmonds is a better catcher out of the backfield. Uh, he, I think he can make pe- more people miss in space, whereas Drake is a little bit more of an up and down uh, runner. I, I just I'm excited to see that. Now the Seahawks, on the other hand, with with Carson being out, depending on how much time he misses, I don't like what they have in their backfield as much. I mean, they do have Carlos Hyde. He had a nice run last week for a touchdown, but outside of that, you have DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, who's also banged up. I just I don't love that for the Seahawks. So I, I don't I don't know yeah. how you see it. No, I I completely agree. I mean, Hyde has looked like he found a little bit of the fountain of youth for whatever he was, which wasn't very good anyway for the Niners back in the day, but like. Yeah, I mean, everyone, I I am completely with you on Chase Edmonds. Like, he's he's super exciting. And you wonder, like, man, timing of injuries is everything, you know? Like, what would the Seattle Seahawks be with if they could, you know, they love barking up the tree of veterans. Imagine them with Le'Veon Bell right now or or someone along those lines, you know? I would be looking at them as, as like, you know, potentially upgrading. I, I mean, I like Carson. I think he's a really good player, but he's always hurt, too. And so... You know, it's it's just I don't know. It's a tough situation, but you know they've got Russell Wilson who loves to run. Obviously, we know, and they've just been passing so much that I, it's almost scarier thinking of them passing more and just having more volume for Lockett and DK at this point. Yeah, and Lockett, man, what a game! Uh, oh on my Sunday god, night, three touchdowns. I think he had 175 yards or something along those lines. And then imagine trading him last week. Oh boy. <laughs> Burn. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. You, you 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 picked him up in a league. That's right. You were on the receiving end. I thought I was, you were saying I you was. traded him, but I was like, no. That, yeah, no. I, I do recall that. Trade. I got lucky on that, but yeah, uh, he's, thought, he's he's a valuable asset. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then to round it out, the Bears are horrible, and, and I know you're mm-hmm. excited to talk about it. So we'll 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 touch on that in a lot more detail when we when we go to, through these week eight games. But the Bears looked terrible offensively. Horrible play calling. Horrible everything for the Bears offensively. Uh, so we'll mm-hmm. get to that here as we look forward to Week Eight. So, aren't you? I don't know about you, but I'm I'm pretty excited about to talk about this slate here in Week Eight. So, what do you say we? Let's do it. it. 
it's awesome. It's a good slate. Yeah, this is a fun one. So let's let's start with the Thursday night battle between the Falcons and Panthers. I I mean I love these AFC, uh, NFC South uh, battles uh, just because of the fantasy implications we see in them each week. This game to me is interesting because we talked about the Falcons. We talked about all the playmakers they have. Uh, and we talked about how they keep losing games. What better than to see this again on a Thursday night? And we don't know for sure if we're going to see Christian McCaffrey back in this one, but I think either way, there could be fireworks in this game on both sides of the ball. Over-under set at 51.5 on Bovada. The Panthers come in as three-point favorites. Ooh, yeah, love that. Love seeing the 50-plus line on a Thursday night. Um, And you know that they knock it down a couple notches because it's Thursday, but, man, Obviously, selfishly, I'm hoping McCaffrey's back. But even if he's not, like, there are plenty of fantasy starters to go around. And, you know, both quarterbacks are very startable. I mean, if you've got Teddy Bridgewater, you got to be licking your chops at this Falcons defense that's just completely given up. Um, and that means DJ Moore. That, of course, means your boy Robbie Anderson, our hey. boy Robbie Anderson. Love Robbie. And, um, yeah, and, I mean, Mike Davis has been in a little bit of a slump, but, you know, I, the ultimate slump buster right here is the Falcons defense. So. Curtis Samuel, I think, is a sleeper this week, too. Yeah, yeah. He had sure. a touchdown I, last week out of the backfield, yep. but I, I can see him – I could see them trying to get him more involved, and I know Matt Rule has said that he wants to get him more involved, but I, I could see this as a game where he has a couple of those gadget plays that go for a lot of yards. I, 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 I almost picked him up in a league, and I didn't because I'm too scared. Uh, that's just a too it's – it's a little bit too risky a play. But if you are in a deep league and you need a real, real deep sleeper, Curtis Samuel's a guy that I wouldn't uh, necessarily – uh, well, I obviously would be too scared to do it, but he's a guy that I, I think there's enough upside that it might be a good uh, flyer. Yeah, with bye weeks and injuries, I mean, you never know. He could be useful. And, I mean, I, the only thing is I don't know how valuable it will be going forward unless something happens to DJ Moore just because, you know, the white whale is coming back. And yep. uh, he's <laughs> no going to be doing a lot of those. No pun intended, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. I think it's fun on both sides, obviously. Julio looks like he reclaims whatever – he had lost early in the season to injury. I mean, he looks amazing. And, um, I mean, can you just imagine, just taking a step back, can you just imagine if, if one of those guys gets traded from Atlanta and what it would do to the shifting dynamics of the league? I, I would be fascinated to see what Julio Jones would fetch on the open market in a trade at the deadline. Yeah, I, I'd be very interested to see that. I don't, I don't think they're going to do it. They've come out and said that they're not interested in trading him. But, yeah, I mean, that would be – a blockbuster that uh, is unprecedented. I don't know. Have we ever seen a player of, of his caliber get traded before the trade deadline? You just don't see a lot mm-hmm. of in-season trades with guys that are that good. Moss. Yeah. Was that an in-season to the Raiders? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was a big one. Yeah. I don't know if it was to the Raiders, but when he got traded from the Vikings to the Patriots, I thought that that was in-season. Oh, okay. About that. Or Raiders to Patriots, somewhere in there. Yeah. There, there have been a couple big prima donna receiver trades, but I don't know that they've materialized. Usually, I think you, you texted this earlier today, and it was absolutely right. It's hard to get like a meaningful piece at the deadline. Well, yeah, because football is such a cohesive sport, right? It's not like mm-hmm. it's not like basketball, where you know, especially in the NBA, where you can just you can add a playmaker, and you know, they come in and. They, they, it does. It certainly takes time to gel, but it's it's just a, such a different game. If you have enough talent, you're gonna you're gonna be able to add something to that team, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially you know two thirds of the way through the season or whatever it is. In the NFL, you know, if you're if you're a wide receiver, especially a prima donna type wide receiver, I'm not saying Julio wouldn't go in and be productive wherever he went. 
but it, it, he would he would have to mesh with a, a new style of offense and and I think that's a, a tough example because I think it's very unrealistic that he does get traded because he's because he is who he is. It's like mm-hmm. you know it, it, same same conversation. I know AJ Green's probably a, a, not even close to what Julio Jones is right now, but still a similar conversation with what he means to that organization oh, yeah. and the price tag that comes with him. Right? AJ Green's been a big step backwards aside from these last two weeks. You know, so if the Packers or somebody else is going to trade for AJ Green, they have to be willing to take on that that big salary, even even if it is a prorated salary for the year. So uh, because mm-hmm. of the franchise tags, I just. It, it, there's so many variables in the NFL that, uh, you know, that's that's a lot to do with why we don't see a lot of that stuff. But it, it is yeah, exciting to talk about, and that's why your ESPN and Bleacher Report feeds are blowing up with, you know, uh, trades that we'd love to see or blockbuster yeah. trades that should happen. It's like I hate reading that stuff because it's so unrealistic. And, like, you know, I was a Fitzpatrick owner up until he gets uh, benched. And, you know, I, obviously I would love to have Fitzpatrick on another team like the Cowboys, but it's not going to happen. It's 100% realistic. The best chance he gets back on the field is if Tua breaks his other hip. <laughs> or the same one. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, it's the same thing. You're right. It's like a defensive player is more like the NBA where you could, you know, potentially like a pass rusher, you drop him into a scheme and it's, it's probably okay. But pretty much anything else, you're right. Like, I mean, it's – even running back, it's kind of iffy. It's and it's so hard to ramp up. It's like, you know, and that's why I was a little hesitant to join you on Bell. Like, but you know, he's he's just like acclimated himself so well right away. And and you know, with Antonio Brown, he's already played with Brady, so you know, and Arian, so you know that he knows like that offense generally. I, I think you're right. The exception is probably like veterans that just have that otherworldly athletic ability, like AJ, like Julio. And there's really no, you know, there's just so many other guys at the margin that it's it's really hard to like, oh, yeah, we should trade for, you know, DJ Moore. Well, is DJ Moore the same guy on another team? I, I, that's a bad example. But, you know, like, you Will, Fuller. Name, Will Fuller's name thrown around. I mean, how long would it take Will Fuller to ramp up in, the, in a, a completely different offense? I think it's, it's very, very hard to make that move for what, you know, that team would be asking for. Yep, I agree. All right, let's keep it rolling. We've got the Los Angeles Rams and the Miami Dolphins. This, I mean, we're going to see Tua. I couldn't believe this line when I saw that what this opened at. I immediately uh, hammered the Rams this weekend, and it's four here on Bovada. The Rams are the road. They're, they do have to travel all the way across the country to Miami, but a rookie quarterback in his first game against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, probably the two at the the two best at their position in the NFL. I just cannot see this going well. I know Tua is a great athlete. I know he has some good playmakers around him. I, I just can't see this going well for the Dolphins here in this first game with Tua under under center. <sighs> I'm going to go the other way on this. I think that the Rams are going to have a little bit of a letdown, and I'm I'm as big of a Rams guy as anyone, as you know, I, in this year. But I think that there's going to be a sense of like letdown. I think that I do think that the Dolphins picked the time for Tua. It, it was well predetermined. It was clear that Fitz is pissed about it, which is rare because Fitz is just does not seem like that guy. And, you know, and and I think that they had a plan for this particular game. And I, I just think that they'll find a way to keep it close. I'm not saying they'll win, but I think that this Dolphins team is not like that bottom tier. You know, they're not in the typical AFC South group. I think that their defense has played much better than, you know, than you would expect from them. And I just think that they've got a couple different little pieces that are going to make them more dynamic than what we saw from the bears. 
and it's it's hard to get that taste out of your mouth when you watch that Rams defense dominate the Bears. But just keep in mind it's the Bears, and that that offense is a joke. And I I mean I think that I think the Dolphins are going to be a little bit better, a little bit. You know, the one thing you can say about Tua, I, I mean, who knows? I I think you can say about Tua, he's likely to be a little bit more careful with the ball than Fitzpatrick. And that, that works both ways, obviously. Like yeah, he, life comes at you fast, though. The, the NFL quarterbacks sure, in their true. first start, I mean, I I know what you mean. Fitzpatrick's a gunslinger. You would hope that Tua comes out in his first start and is more of a game manager just because he's a rookie and getting you know the pace of play and all of that down. But I, mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to make mistakes. I think he's going to have two or three turnovers in this game. Uh, and, and, I think and I think there's going to have they're going to have pressure. They're going to bring exotic blitzes to try to confuse a guy who's starting in his first game. I do not think this is going to end well for two. I, I, I mean, I, 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 I see your point. I, I know that he has a lot of hype coming in. Um, I think they're rushing him a little bit, and I just don't. I just don't I know going that. up against those those types of playmakers. I just I think that the Rams are smart enough, and and McVeigh and you know his defensive coaching staff is smart enough to make this harder on Tua than it, it, it really should be in his first start. I mean, that is for sure. And the Rams are the best in the league or second best in the league against opposing receivers from a fantasy perspective. So it's like, if that's a sign, and I think it generally is a pretty good sign of, you know, what, and they, they haven't played an easy schedule by any means. Like, you know, even playing a bad offense like the Bears, they still have to go up against the likes of Allen Robinson. Like, I think that that's. I mean, they held Nick Foles in check, for God's sake. The guy's a legend. <laughs> How do you do that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be tough. It's it's definitely a welcome to the NFL moment for Tua. But again, I just there there's a weird vibe about this Dolphins team where I don't think they're very good, but I think that they're like, you know, how the Bills were like eight and eight, seven and nine, like well better than the really crappy teams in the NFL. I think that they're kind of like around there, and I think that that means, you know, a four point underdog at home off a bye against a team that's coming off Monday night basically implies that you're like. 10 points worse than the Rams on a neutral field, which or eight points worse or something, which I think is, it's a little bit much for me personally, but I, I see what you're saying. And I, I mean, I could so totally see the Rams winning by like 30 points too. That's my lock. That's my lock of the week this week. Oh man. All right. We are, we, all right. That's, that's interesting. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, finally, I like disagreeing <laughs> with you from time to time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Hopkins or Adams. There you go. Uh, I know, I know, I know. We're on opposite ends of that one too, but I, it's, it is not, it's not far off. I, I love both of those guys so much. All right, let's move on. We've got the Colts and the Lions. Uh, this, this game, this has like ugly written all over it. Nevada's uh, oh, yeah. got the Colts as road favorites, three point favorites going into Detroit. Detroit coming off of that miraculous win against the Falcons. Big number here at fifty. I actually kind of like the under here. I don't just the Colts. Oh, yeah. I don't see them scoring points in Detroit. As much as I like Stafford as a gunslinger, he has not been that this year at all. He has not thrown many touchdowns. I know Galladay's had a few good games, and he's back to healthy now. I just, I don't know. I know they're they're changing. They're shifting over from Peterson to Swift, and Swift looks really good. You know, the Colts have your boy Taylor, but I just, I, I think this is going to be a lower scoring game than fifty points. Completely, completely agree. I love the under there. That's we are a back. Really good call. We're back. <laughs> I, I do think that the Lions are going to find a way to keep it close, though. And, I mean, three points is three points, so that's that's pretty close anyway. But um, I think this is the beginning of the Jonathan Taylor show for the rest of the season. I Off the bye, um, you know, time to sort of reacquaint himself with what their role is going to be going forward now that um, they obviously don't have Marlon Mack and they've had some time to see how things will go. I think Taylor is 
a beast the second half of the season. And um, I think it starts right here against Detroit, against a team that's not been very good against running backs. The Colts, on the other hand, have been the best fantasy defense, period. I know that they've played against some really crappy opponents again, and you know, including the Bears. Um, and then that horrible division that you love so much. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I, I see a very ugly like 17-14 type game. And I wouldn't start like almost anyone in this game aside from Taylor. I, I mean, you've got to start Galladay, obviously, but I would not be looking at Stafford by any means either. Well, T.Y. Hilton, he's had a good year. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's drop season for T.Y. If you haven't I will already, say- do it. Yeah, man. I mean, what's seeing T.Y. Hilton's name on waivers, it's just like, wow. I what can't about Hawkinson, that though? Hawkinson uh, has been pretty productive. He has been, but this um, yeah, Colts. this Colts defense is the best against tight ends in all football for fantasy. So I would be, I'd be staying away from Hawkinson, too. I like it. There you go. All right, let's move on. We've got the Raiders coming to Cleveland to take on the Browns. The Browns are actually home favorites against uh, the Raiders here. I, I think this is... I mean, it begs the question that that, that uh, are these two teams about even? I would say that they are, but the Browns are still two and a half point favorites on Bovada. Another big number at fifty one and a half. I I kind of like the Raiders here, aren't you? I, I I don't think the Browns losing Odell Beckham, uh, Kareem Hunt's a little banged up. I just I I think that the Raiders' defense has been a little bit better this year, uh, even though obviously they're coming off of a tough one. I, I think that uh, I think they come back and bounce back here against the Browns, and I have a feeling you're going to disagree with me again. <sighs> yeah, I mean it's hard because like if you had just told me coming into last week that the Browns wouldn't have Beckham this week, I would have been like, yeah, they're they're completely fucked, you know. But like now that they have Beckham, or you know the way they looked without him, I mean they did not miss a beat, and it certainly begs. Begs the question of, is it the Bengals or no, but like, you know, they weren't doing that well. They played the Bengals earlier and they didn't look that good offensively. Um, at least not throwing the ball, certainly running it or the first time around, they were pretty good. But, um, you know, I, I just, I think, I, I think there's something to the idea that like Mayfield isn't going to be locked into one dude. Not that he's, I mean, not that it really helped Beckham in terms of fantasy production, but like, you know, it's, it's just – it changes the way an offense sort of runs. And Hollywood Higgins looked pretty good last week too. So, yeah, this is tough because I I hear what you're saying. I, I just – I, I guess I the like Raiders, the Ra- – I think I like the Raiders a little bit more than I should though at the same time. Like I, I, I just mm. – I, they've, they've, they looked they, good. They've been surprising sure. me with the different way. Like Josh Jacobs, is, he had a, he's coming off. I mean, obviously they were playing Tampa Bay. He's coming off a tough game. But like Darren Waller, I, I really like Ruggs as a, as a deep threat guy. Nelson Aguilar has been really productive these last couple weeks and kind of taking shape as a, a, a de facto number one receiver for this team. Mm-hmm. I just – I like the weapons they have offensively. Now, you know, obviously the defense isn't great, but in a shootout – I. I like the two and a half points. I think that this is, could get could go either way. It's probably a coin flip type game, uh, but I, I, I just I think that uh, at the end of the day, you take the better quarterback, and I think it's Carr. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. He's looked better, and the the Browns have been the second worst in football. I'm seeing against receivers this year. So Rugs, fire that dude up because he could be running all over this defense. Especially their safety play has been really really bad. Obviously, they came in the season with some injuries. So, yeah, I uh, I think I might have to agree with you here. I might have to go with the Raiders. It's a tough one, though. I, I It is tough. It's a toss-up. 
All right, let's go Minnesota, Green Bay. This one hits close to home for you, my friend. Um, oh, yeah. Green Bay, I, obviously, you know, they had a little bit of an easier game last week against the Texans. They were without Aaron Jones. I think that's the storyline here. I would love to hear from a Green Bay Packers insider. Like, <laughs> First of all, I know he was healthy enough to go because I watched his press conference on Friday. And selfishly, as an Aaron Jones owner, I would love to see him play in this game. But are, are, are they being a little bit tight-lipped about how serious this is, or do they want to see – what they can do with Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon, who I, I started AJ Dillon expecting them to give him more burn and, and kind of have him take over that, you know, between the tackles role. And it was the Jamal yeah. Williams show. I know they extended Williams and I know it's a contract year for Aaron Jones. Are you, are you assuming that the the Packers are going to move on from him after this season? It, Jamal Williams is not extended unless that happened in the oh, last okay. like hour, I, I, which I know I, they were talking. I thought I thought he had been. My bad. No, they both are. They're both free agents, which is why they drafted Dylan so high. And um, you know, Dylan's going to be that dude for them probably by next year. So I do think so, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like Jamal Williams. Let's just call it. It is. He is the definition of average, mediocre. He's, Gio- he's Giovanni Bernard. Oh man, I, I don't that's know if he's ex- even that good. No, he is. He is. He, he's that good. <laughs> okay, but that's what he word. is. I mean, they're they're like he's the perfect, like he's the perfect backup workhorse. Like he, you don't want him to be your workhorse, but if you have to for a week or two, he's a good he's a good person to have. And that was like the perfect game. Just like you know, for Gio, mm-hmm. is a perfect game against the Browns. You can't stop the pass. Most of his production in that game came in the pass. Uh, I, I I think Jamal Williams is very similar for this Packers team and. I was just surprised that they didn't give Dylan more burn in the game script that would have worked in his favor. I completely agree. And I, I would say the same thing about this game against the Vikings. I mean, when you seven point Vikings, favorites on Bovada, by the way, sorry. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. And I, obviously I really like the Packers. I think the Vikings are basically in full mail-in mode. And if Cook's they're back. not, Dalvin Cook is back. Dalvin Cook is back. That's right. They, they are a different team. They, they actually looked like they were throwing the ball around pretty well ahead of that Jordan Je- or Justin Jefferson. I always say Jordan. Justin Jefferson has looked like an absolute revelation as a, uh, a rookie receiver. You just don't see that very often. Uh, His PFF ever, grade's like 92. It's crazy. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, he's awesome. He's probably going to be better than Diggs, and, you know, he's a rookie. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to slow them down, especially with this Packers defense, loving to give up especially garbage down points. But, I mean, I just, like, if you look at the two teams, I, I don't – I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm biased. Obviously, I'm biased. But I, I do think that the Packers have been bum slayers this year, and I think that the Vikings are definition of, the definition of bums. But on Aaron Jones, I I mean, it seemed like he was going to probably play. Like, it was it was like a tiny tweak. And then again, today, Matt LaFleur came out and was basically like, we're not I don't know. Yeah. We're not going to rush him back. Or, you know, where we are, what we are record-wise. We think we can handle this, essentially. And... I hate that, but, you know, and then watching the game, he also basically implied, like, we need him for the long haul, and we're okay with potentially risking one of these games just to make sure that he's there in the playoffs, which is, I hate it, both from fantasy and, like, a real-life standpoint, but it is what it is. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's starting to feel very similar to what they did with your boy Devontae Adams, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, he comes back and has the game of his life last week, so... <laughs> You know, uh, is it the right way to handle it? You know, I, I've always thought if, if somebody's healthy enough to play, you play them. But the Packers have been notoriously conservative with injuries, and uh, I, I would not be surprised if he sits out this game again. Yeah, me either. And, oh, man, I, I mean, 
this is a dangerous spot for the Packers, though, now we to talk about. They're one of the worst against running backs. And like you said, Cook is going to be very fresh after being out for – was it, has it been yeah. like five weeks? No, it's, it's, it's two. He, he, he missed uh, – he missed. He, obviously, they're coming off a bye, and he missed the game before that. But, yeah, he played the game prior, which is when he got hurt. So three three full weeks of recovery, essentially, right? Because, like, he missed the game. Then they had to, it'll be two weeks from the bye, right. from that game to this. So, yeah, I mean – yeah, that's scary too because he is—he's a monster. Yeah, no, I mean, I—I I, I like the seven points personally, but I think Green Bay wins this game by three or four. Mm, yeah, could be, could happen that way. Unless Rodgers goes off, which I wouldn't hate to see that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very much in play against this. This Vikings defense is super banged up. If you, I mean, it's—it could be the corner specifically. It could be another absolute monster performance out of Adams. I, I assume Zimmer will have it better coached up but man like it's hard to stop him obviously best receiver in the league question mark <laughs> i don't think i know that. he's your I guy just think that he's in, i just think he's in the conversation isn't oh he 100 percent is he's he's yeah. top top three to five i mean no doubt and there's some really good ones and obviously you have adams who's one of the best now and then jefferson who you know could be the future at the position so right. it should be a fireworks type of game 51 and a half on bovada is a nice line to uh to Ooh. assume there's going to be some points scored. So, you know, maybe bet the over. Life's too short not to. Um, all right, let's <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to Patriots at Bills. Uh, interesting game here on shoot. Three and a half points. Bills are the favored at home on Bovada. A low number at 42 and a half. couple storylines here I want, to, I want to see from a fantasy standpoint. So the first one is Zach Moss versus Devin Singletary. I think that this backfield workload is – shifting from Singletary to Moss. I think Singletary is pretty garbage at this point. I mean, I loved him coming into the season because of his usage last year. Uh, they have he, they have not figured out a way to use him, and I think the Patriots are going to hold him in check, even though they've been worse against the run. And I think Moss is going to start to get more and more carries as he's getting healthier. The other storyline is Cam Newton. What the hell happened last week, aren't you? Dude, I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. I, I've got Cam, and he was... Post a big negative five spot for me. Like, oh man, I have no idea. I, I think that, you know, I, I don't think it's a COVID thing. I know that's been out there. I like his shoulder. I, we've been talking about this for weeks. His shoulder looks completely jacked. It reminds me of when early last season he was throwing, he's using his entire body to thrust the ball forward. And it's like, it Going does directly not into look, the ground. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... seriously. It is. He's got nothing on it, and it's taking everything he has. And so, like, every once in a while, he'll complete a pass, and you're like, okay, that's, like, what it's supposed to look like. But it's taking everything he has to do it, and he's losing precision for sure. And I think that, you know, luckily he can run so well, and we Mm -hmm. saw it two weeks ago. He did not have a good game two weeks ago. He still put up a bunch of fantasy points because he ran for, like, 75 yards and a touchdown. But, like – I, if I'm Belichick and I want to salvage the season in any way and, and you know, keep Cam as quarterback, which I'm sure he does, I mean, I would I would be going to that very conservative, like, old Carolina offense, use James White a whole bunch more, which I thought they were going to do in the first place, and just take the ball out of Cam's, Cam's hands going down the field. I mean, they're used to that. They've had Tom Brady for years. Dude can't throw the ball down the field at all. I mean, he had a, a pretty good he, – he showed that up last week. But, you know, I think that – like, they're used to using a quarterback like that, and Cam can actually run. Just use that, and they can win plenty of games that way. Yeah. All that said, I think they cover, if not win this I game agree. outright. I, I would not be surprised if the Patriots Bounce win this. Back. Yep. Bounce back, for sure. I'm with you. 
All right, we're starting to agree again. I like yeah. it. Let's, we're back. Uh, let's let's go, yeah, let's go to the other team in the uh, in the AFC East, the Jets, who are going to go into Kansas City oh to take on Le'Veon Bell uh, in the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> I mean, that's such an absurd way of putting it. But he is playing against his former team. I mean, this is this is we we talk about revenge games all the time, and there's so you know so many of them across the league. But Le'Veon Bell was so disgruntled in New York. I just can't imagine that the motivation is going to be lacking at all. If he if he gets ten touches, he's going to make the most of them. Uh, the Chiefs are nineteen and a half point favorites on Bovada, and the only reason the line's forty nine here on the over under is because Kansas City's probably going to score forty eight, <laughs> and the Jets probably won't score a point. Sam Darnold has been horrible. He started out strong last week and finished absolutely horribly against the Bills. I think the Jets are one of the worst teams I've ever seen in the NFL. I agree. One of the worst coach teams, too. Like, they are... Yeah, they won't fire Gase. They're going to let him coach out the season. Hey, man, he's the ultimate tank coach. He is the worst coach in football by a mile, and that's saying something because there are some horrible coaches. And, I mean, he is... He's a disaster. He's in over his head, and he has no idea how to use his players the right way. Guy's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer. Everyone who plays quarterback for him sucks. It's just... (laughs) It's it's horrible. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I... I I want to meet the guy that is willing to bet the Jets in this because like I, I there is just no way in hell you could find like I honestly think the Chiefs could not throw the ball one time this game and still win by fourteen points. The Chiefs' defense might cover the spread. <laughs> oh my God! If you've got the Chiefs' defense, God, you are very fortunate or very smart ahead of time because. This is probably looking like the best defensive start of the season for this game. Yeah, I agree. You know, because they're going to be throwing and then, you know, there's just going to be interceptions and fumbles and sacks. And ugh, I don't I don't love this start for Mahomes. I've seen his projections just light years uh, higher than they've been all mm-hmm. season. And I, I don't I, I think this could play out very similarly to what we saw with the Chiefs last week, where Mahomes had his worst fantasy performance I can ever remember. I just think that they're going to they're, they're going to probably score defensive points, you know, maybe even special teams points. You're going to, they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, I, I don't know. You might see like shuffle passes to get uh, shovel passes to get uh, touchdowns for Mahomes, which we see in the red zone a lot, but you know, you're not going to sit them either way. I just, I don't know if no. we're going to see a 50 point game or a 40 point game out of Mahomes. They're just not going to need it. No, I agree. We saw I mean, Chad Henney last week in garbage time. We might see him <laughs> for a whole fourth quarter in this game. You might want to fire up Chad Henney. There you go. <laughs> in a tough spot. No, I mean it's true. Like they're like I. I mean I don't know. I I think Le'Veon Bell is the start here for sure. Like I mean he's probably the best start in this game. I, obviously you're starting the homes. You said like you're starting every one of those Chiefs, but there's a chance you're going to get goosed out of it. Like I've got Travis Kelsey in our league, and I'm I'm not super psyched about it because like he could be game scripted out of this in like a quarter and a half, you know, and it's just the way it is sometimes, even when you are, when the, the stats say that you, it's a no brainer. Yeah. I, I'm excited to to see what, uh, what Le'Veon does in this game. I'm excited to see how they utilize him because it, it's very possible that they, they don't utilize him much either. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he still is working his way into the offense, but it's one of those things that it, it can go so many different ways that you want to see how it plays out. And you almost like, it depends on how you view Le'Veon Bell because I'm sure there's some people who think he was the problem in, in New York or whatever. But you know, either side, if you're if you're rooting for him or rooting against him, you want to see how this plays out. 
Oh, S- yeah. Similarly, if, like if you see Antonio Brown go against the Raiders or Antonio Brown go against oh, the Steelers, yeah. like you want to see how that plays out. Of course, completely agree. I mean, yeah, whether you like the guy or not, like that's Brady against the Patriots. You can tell him to f off or not care about that at all, but like about the player or the team. But it's must watch TV when it happens. Agreed. And uh, this next game, probably the game of the week, must watch TV. I would say so. Uh, it's the Steelers and the Ravens. It's in Baltimore. Ravens are three and a half point favorites. The one thing I'd say here is the Pittsburgh defense has been so, so good this year. And Lamar Jackson has been pedestrian for, for Lamar Jackson. He's still been amazing. But he hasn't been Lamar Jackson that we saw MVP Lamar Jackson. I think the Steelers' defense is a defense that can make him look – because he didn't look great against the Bengals, which is a terrible defense. The Steelers' <laughs> defense has the ability to make him look even more pedestrian than he's looked, if that, if that makes sense. I think the Ravens yeah. win this game. I think, uh, I think Lamar Jackson, he comes out and proves that he can be a playmaker. But the other side of this is Pittsburgh – that Pittsburgh defense is scary. I just think Lamar Jackson's too much of a playmaker, and I think that there's a lot to prove for this Baltimore team. I, I know they're a little bit banged up. It looks like Ingram's probably not going to play in this game. I think Baltimore still wins this game, and I think Lamar Jackson shows the MVP caliber that he could, even against such a, a tough defense. I know that was a two-sided coin, but I, no, I, I, see, I, I see Baltimore. No, I, I hear you completely, and I agree with you completely. I think that Jackson has clearly been hobbled. Like, after week one, there was something's up with him, but I think that the week off, hopefully, for his sake, has helped, and um, like you said, like his floor is still so damn high because he runs so much that, and because his running backs have been so trash that, like, there he is what they've got right now. And um, you know, he just assuming that he's fresher and he and they figured out some stuff with the bye week. I'm assuming he has a big game, and I'm I'm looking in the second half at J.K. Dobbins. I think this is the guy that has a big, you know, if if they are going to turn the corner and get back to being you know, the second best team in the AFC, which I, I don't know that they are right now. Um, it's going to be that guy. And, I, you know, the other piece of this that you didn't talk about is the Ravens defense. And I just, like, you know, hear so much this year about Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, you know, all the guys that mainly those two really, but that offense has been been humming. But they haven't played really a team like this defensively. And I think that the, the two corners that the um, – you know, the two corners and the linebackers that the Ravens have are going to be unlike anything they face. I'm expecting a pretty low scoring affair in this, which is classic AFC, old AFC North. And, um, and, but at that same point, I think that I'm seeing like 23 14 or something where Jackson has a bunch of yards and they end up winning this going away. Yeah, and I, I do like the call on Dobbins, and I don't think it'll be in this game because the Steelers are so yeah, good against the run. But Dobbins, mm-hmm. I agree with you 100% on that point, but he has not looked great when he's been given looks. I, I, I think he's one of those running backs that needs a lot of touches to get going. At least he was at Ohio State. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. I, 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 I agree. I just I need to see more out of him. I need to see them give him the ball more. I think you know they, they maybe take their time bringing Ingram back from injury. Uh, Gus Edwards has been getting way too many carries. Uh, they like him, I know, in, in Baltimore. But, again, he, Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram, stop giving them the ball so much. Let's see what Josh Dobbins can do. Totally. I mean, yeah. I mean, we, we're basically 100% on rookie running backs. Like, you look at yeah. Cam Akers, great <laughs> yeah. call there. And, so uh, good. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm guessing this is going to be – James Robinson. I, That's the only James one. James Robinson. Yeah, there you go. Barely even counts, but – yeah, no, I I'm, I agree that this is going to be a tough one for Dobbins to get going, but I think the rest of the way he's going to be a guy that 
you know, maybe not like league winner status, but definitely a dude that I, I think he ends up taking over in the backfield. Agreed. All right, you mentioned uh, old AFC North. What about the old AFC Central, which is what the AFC North was before? We've got the Tennessee Titans and the Cincinnati Bengals. Used to be the Oilers, aren't you? Bengals Ooh, are six point. Yeah, there you go. Six point home underdogs for the Bengals here. Fifty four points is the over under, though. A lot of points expected in this one. This is one of the highest of the week, if not the highest. But uh, I don't know. I I, I kind of like the Bengals to cover. This is one of those games that the Titans like to keep close, even though they're a significantly better football team. I just can't imagine a scenario where Der- Derrick Henry doesn't have 350 yards rush- rushing in this game. <laughs> Bengals have actually been, like from a fantasy perspective, not that terrible against running backs. I mean, they're, they've been very average, like, but not as bad as you'd expect. But yeah, I mean, like if they can't tackle, if the Titans, if the Titans <laughs> are smart, they got to turn it. Yeah. They have to turn around and just hand him the ball. I mean, I know the Bengals have been banged up on the interior. They're reactivating some of those guys, right. That were, that were injured um, on the yeah. defensive interior, but you know, overall it's, it's just, it feels like the recipe for, for Henry to have one of those monster late mid to late season Henry games. And, um, we'll see what the weather's like, but that that could play a role as well. I don't really love the over here. I don't. I know that the Titans haven't been that good defensively, and they've just been playing in comeback mode a lot. But this isn't quite those types of teams, and I think that their their edge rushers can get at Burrow um, in a way that might be a little bit different than you know. I, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say different than the Browns, but that's really all the Browns have too. So. I don't know. I just get like a, a vibe that this is going to be kind of a lower scoring game. And I agree that I think that the Bengals cover it just because even their floor is pretty high. Minus playing the, the Ravens, they've been able to score points every week. To be clear, they'll, they'll still lose the game in the final minute. But I, I do think they cover it. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Titans have been horrible against receivers, by the way. So might be an interesting one to see which one of those three guys or if all of them end up getting, you know, being starter worthy in fantasy like they were last week. They'll certainly be throwing the ball. All right, we've mm-hmm. got uh, we've got just a couple uh, late games this week. We've got the Chargers and Broncos. Uh, the Chargers are three point favorites. I, I mean, the Broncos' defense has been good, but Drew Locke has not. Um, the Chargers obviously have Justin Herbert, who could very well win Rookie of the Year. It's probably going to come down to him and Burrow on the offensive side of the ball. I, I just I don't know. I don't know if I love Herbert against this Broncos defense. I think the line's about right, but. I'm not taking either side. I don't like either of these teams particularly. I think Philip Lindsay's probably going to miss this game. The Broncos obviously been banged up at pretty much every position this year. I think the Chargers still win, but I wouldn't bet it, and I don't know how I feel about Herbert uh, this week. I, I like Herbert. I think that he's been amazing. As good as Burrow's been, I would say probably Herbert's better. probably, he's been, probably better. been better. He has he's been, been better. more impressive to me like in terms of just what you expect versus what he's actually been. And I, I mean, if you put Burrow beyond that offensive line, it might be a whole other level of success. But, you know, he's been good. He's got good receivers. They're, they're both awesome. Phenoms are going to be longtime starters in this league. I just, the difference to me here is, okay, the Broncos defense is fine, but their core, their offense is, you know, very banged up. And the difference to me is that the Chargers defense is good and their offense is really good right now. And so I think that because of that, even though that line looks kind of, scary to have to be favorites with a rookie quarterback on the road against a team that's like not completely dead in the Broncos I just I think that the Chargers are are significantly better so I would go that direction but I'm with you I don't feel real confident about this game either way yeah and it's another one of those games I just am not excited about um yeah I agree 
All right, what about Saints Bears? Uh, we've got uh, the Bears. I'm not excited. Yeah, home home underdogs plus four and a half. I, I just, you know, it looks like Allen Robinson's probably not going to play with a concussion, or at least he's in the protocol. It, on a short week, it's very possible that he doesn't play. Uh, the Saints, sure. it, it's possible Michael Thomas misses another game. I don't. I mean, he just cannot get on the field this year, whether it's his own antics or whether or not it's an injury. But I don't know. I, another game. Yeah, not excited about. You've got. David Montgomery, who who cannot get the ball run game going, the offensive line of the Bears has been terrible. The play calling's been bad. Nick Foles has been bad. Everything on this team, aside from the defense, has just been really boring to watch. <laughs> yes, I know. Five I know Bears. that excites you, but the five and two Bears yeah, are no. about to be five and three. <laughs> I think so too. I think they're they're in line for a loss here. I mean, they could bounce back and keep it kind of interesting, just because the Saints are like so going through the motions without time they're a totally different team without him you know and um i think they're smart at this point to just hold off they've got the division pretty well they i'm sorry they don't have the division they've got a playoff spot locked up pretty much but uh yeah i mean it's interesting to see like i, I think they're clearly waiting with thomas just to make sure that when the playoffs come around for maybe drew Brees' last hurrah that he's got his number one weapon but you also have probably emmanuel sanders out right and so Man, yeah, I mean, you're rolling in with Traquan Smith again. I mean, I, I don't know what the total is in this game, but I think the under. 43 and a under, half. Like, what's it? 43 and a half? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. That's low, sucks. right? Um, yeah, it's low. Very, very <laughs> low. I, I don't know if I even can bet the under on that. But, yeah, just everything about this is stay away. I think that the Saints do win, though. All right, well, we got one more late afternoon game. A lot this, of late games yeah, this, this week. There's a few. Uh, we've got three three afternoon games and then and then the night game, right? Am I oh, missing okay. one? No, yeah, I think that they moved three. one. Didn't they move no, one that's, ne- next that's next week. That's oh, next week. That's the Bengals okay. and Steelers next week. Yes, that's what it was. Sorry, That'll be yes. a fun one. Uh, wow. 49ers and Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks are home favorites, three points. Carlos Dunlap won't be playing in this game. Not that it matters, uh, but uh, 54 points, big over under here. I, I just I don't know if the 49ers, I, I know their offense has been playing better, banged up at running back, might get Tevin Coleman back. They lost Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, you know, it sounds like they did it intentionally. Uh, with McKinnon, where they they rested him last week, so they gave Wilson Jr. the burn, and it looks like you know I just Jamichael Hasty should get touches. I, I don't know their backfield has been so banged up; it's like a revolving door. Uh, and if Tevin Coleman comes back, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some looks. I don't know. Mm-hmm. This it, it, it's it's an interesting game. The Seahawks defense has been bad, so I don't know. I could it go over fifty four on you? I, I could see it. I guess. I guess, but Debo's out too. Like, I, I don't yeah. see the Niners wanting to toss the ball all over the field. And then, like we talked about earlier, Carson's out. Um, I kind of like the under. I mean, the Seahawks yeah. love giving up points and yards, but I think that I, I don't see that being this type of game um, or this being that type of game. And I just, I don't know. I I, I kind of get the feeling that this is going to be one of those, like, 20 to 14 types. Now watch it be, like, an absolute explosion. Um, you know, I... I if there's one team that kind of has slowed down Wilson at times, it's been the Niners at times. But, you know, also he's had some good games like late last year. So I don't know. I'm going back and forth on this as we talk about it. I think I like Seattle to win a close game, though. Yeah, I'm staying away. I don't I don't love the line either side, really. I mean, it's an exciting matchup. I, I, I think it'll be a fun one to watch. I just – they're both so banged up. I agree. 54 is just such a high number for these two teams, even though – you would expect Russell to to, to cook, uh, yes. is the expression. Uh, oh, yeah, love that. On. Love that expression. <laughs> um, uh, Cowboys yeah. Eagles. This one's not on Bovada's 
sheet here, but uh, I've seen it at Philly minus eight. I've seen the over under at around forty three. Uh, I again, this, this these two teams. I mean, gross. just just gross. It's not not nothing you want to keep your eyes on a TV for, but. Everybody's going to be playing people from this game, fantasy wise. And the Eagles are starting to get healthier. They might get Miles Sanders back this week. You would think maybe they'll rest him with the buy on yeah. the horizon, but uh, they should I get Jalen so. Rager back. Alshon Jeffrey, if he doesn't get traded, could play in this game. Obviously, Deshaun Jackson's out. They they are bringing Dallas Goddard back off of the IR, so it it remains to be seen whether he's going to play. But the Eagles are certainly getting healthier, and that could bode well for them winning this division. It could, and it could also put him off of them that Ben DiNucci is like to, likely to be on the other side. So. Good point. Oh my God, what a disaster that is! And yeah, I mean, you'd like to, I, you would think that this is a, this is setting up for a, an explosion for the Eagles because the Cowboys are just the worst defense ever. But man, like it, it's kind of similar to what you're talking about with the, the Chiefs, almost where it's like, will this game be so out of reach that you know? And because they just don't have the same kind of explosive weapons offensively. That being said, I think Wentz has looked significantly better. Um, Travis Fulgham's a guy that he likes to throw to. Clearly, you mentioned Goddard. Like, to me, these two teams aren't even close to being on the same playing field at this stage. Yeah, I, I think the Eagles' defense is a play here this week, too, With mm-hmm. especially if Ben DiNucci plays. But even if he doesn't, I mean – I don't know that the Eagles' defense is much of a step down from the Washington football team, and they just they just made these the Cowboys look they embarrassed them. Yeah, for sure. I mean Zeke, and that's a, this goes back to Zeke to bring that full circle. Like this is a, a very good run defense for the for the Philadelphia Eagles, and it's just been so hard for Zeke to get going. And you'd like to think this would be the game, you know, an in division, a, a rival, a chance to like make things right for the what fifth straight week or whatever, and he just just cannot get going and this is not the front to get going against so if you've got zeke man you just gotta hope that he stays healthy and i, know, I and i'm so glad back. i don't I, zeke is a guy yeah. that I, I wouldn't i wouldn't trade like if somebody offered me zeke for i don't know james robinson for example straight up i would it would decline that very very quickly wow just Damn. based on just based on i mean obviously that they're, they're, they're still a bad team but Volume, mm-hmm. like Zeke, I just, I mean, he's going to get the volume, but I, I don't see this team scoring a lot of points the rest of the season. Whether it's yeah. Dalton, whether it's Danucci, I don't, it doesn't matter. They're not scoring points on anybody. I, I mean, I just, in my mind, I feel like Dalton will come back and they'll end up scoring points. They just have too many weapons. Like anybody would be able to move the ball with them. But, you know, the offensive line is the problem. Are, just like it was in bad. Cincinnati for Dalton. He was never good with a bad offensive line. When he, his only good years were when he had a good offensive line. If you take that away, he becomes one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, he does. It's just a fact. The season is is brutal, and yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, it is what it is, man. Like, if you've got, it sucks if you're a Cowboys fan, or like you again, bringing in full circle. We talked about all those weapons, all the dollars that you spent, or the high picks you spent on Lamb and Gallup and Namari and, and Zeke. And, you know, every single one of them has been a bust the last few weeks. Yeah, I, I expect it to continue. All right, these these Monday, yeah. Sunday and Monday night games are trash this week. We've seen so many good ones this year to have the Buccaneers and Giants and Cowboys and Eagles. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. Um, but the Buccaneers could be fun. They have a lot of players that you hope hope to, to see production out of. And, you know, I know our buddy Sweens will be starting six or seven Giants players again this week. <laughs> 
God. Ten and a half uh, is the line here for the Bucks on the road. Eleven, actually, on Bovada. Oh, man. I mean, God, that's a lot of points, considering how banged up the Bucks are. I think, if, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I give too much deference to, you know, like skill position guys playing. And I don't think that the Giants are even close to the Bucks, But I feel like that's weight. That's that's a little too much in terms of points. So I will I will take the Giants to cover that spread at home. Um, but I don't I don't like it. Yeah, I mean the Bucks defense is. So you want to talk about a good defense to start right here? Bucks. This could be a great chance for them for their close up on Monday night. Agreed. Wow, we did it. That's week eight. Wow. I know. I know we were a little long in the tooth, but there are a lot of fun games this weekend. We're looking forward to it. Good luck to everybody with your fantasy teams. Anything you wanted to add on to? I'm with you. It's going to be fun. And um, I feel like it's the calm before the storm. Trade deadlines next week. It'll be interesting to see if we get anything before this weekend. And then based on these games, what might happen ahead of that deadline next week. We'll have it all for you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. For Anshu Khanna, I'm Josh Dunn. Our time has come to an end on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. We'll see you ahead of week nine.